Hey, welcome, everybody. Welcome, River Glen. Happy, happy uh, New Year. Thank you so much for uh, joining us for church and uh, starting out the new year with us, whether you're here in Waukesha or in uh, Pewaukee or online. So great to have you uh, with us. Before I get started, I want to just uh, take a moment and just, just really celebrate what God did uh, in and, and through our church this Christmas. We had nearly 4,000 people celebrate Christmas uh, with us as part of our Christmas Eve uh, services, 15% more than we had uh, last year. And uh, let's just give God a hand for that. We're grateful uh, to God. And I want to also, I want to thank all of you uh, uh, for attending and, and inviting and uh, serving and volunteering. Thank you so much. Couldn't do it without you. And then I also want to invite you. Next weekend, we've got an event coming up. We call it the Welcome uh, Brunch. Everybody is in, invited. Um, if you're new, great event uh, for you or anybody, no matter how long you've attended. If you'd like to find out more about what we believe, more about our vision for the future, if you'd like to get your questions answered, this is the event uh, for you. It's from 1030 to 1130 at both campuses. We provide a, a great brunch, free brunch, free t-shirt too. So it's a, it's a great deal and a lot of fun. You can go ahead and sign up, use a uh, QR code in front of you or the welcome card, uh, or just stop at the Welcome Center in the lobby after the service. We'd love to have you uh, part of that um, gathering. Well, today we're beginning a new series called Let's Talk About It. Uh, we're talking about mental and, and emotional health. Specifically, we're going to talk about these subjects right here because these issues, they're hurting a lot of people right now. One out of two people are struggling, wrestling with mental and emotional health. So if it's, if it's not you, it's somebody you love. It's somebody uh, next to you. One out of two. Not long ago, the CDC reported that one out of four young adults have seriously contemplated ending their life. That's tragic. Divorce rates are up. Uh, domestic abuse, child abuse cases are up. Anxiety and depression are up. Uh, new addictions have developed. Old addictions have resurfaced. Researchers tell us that people are angrier today and more easily uh, triggered. We're all feeling it. We need this series to help us get healthy. But it's not just for us. Uh, I really believe God wants to use this so that we can go out and help others to get healthy uh, too. So I want to encourage you to join us for the next four weeks, and it'd be a great series to invite somebody to come along with you. We're calling this series, Let's Talk About It, because we want to break the silence that often accompanies uh, mental health uh, issues, and we want to make this a safe place uh, to talk about these issues. I want to begin by talking about anger for a couple of reasons. One reason is because anger can lead to these other issues. Unprocessed anger can feed uh, anxiety, depression, and addictions. And uh, anger is also highly contagious. You know, we hear a lot about COVID virus, the Omicron variant, how they're spreading so quickly, and how contagious they are. But there's something else that's contagious. And it's spreading to our homes and our marriages, to our friendships, to our relationships. And what I'm talking about is the infection of anger. Anger is highly contagious. Dr. Daniel Goldman explains it this way. He says, emotions are actually more contagious than the flu. 
He says this dynamic is so powerful that in one study, three volunteers sat silently in a circle for two minutes. And at the end of the time, the most emotionally expressive person transmitted his or her mood to the other two without even saying a word. He says in every such experiment, in every session, the mood the most expressive person had going in was, all, was also the mood the other two had coming out, whether it was happy or bored or anxious or angry. It's contagious. One person's anger triggers another person's anger. That's just the way that anger works. And because of the season of life that we're in, this you know, once-in-a-century pandemic, anger is, 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 is spreading quickly, and we need uh, to talk about it. And I know, I know there's a lot of things to be angry about uh, right now. Maybe you're feeling extra stress, extra pressure at your job, uh, stress in your marriage, worry about physical health, money seems tight, restrictions seem uh, difficult. Maybe college didn't go the way that you thought it would uh, go. Uh, maybe you're angry with uh, news media, politicians. I don't know what it is for you. But if you feel more agitated, more easily upset, more angry, I want you to know it's okay to feel that way. And you're in the right place uh, today. Today we're going to dive into a, a book of the Bible that has a lot to say about emotions. In fact, if, got a, if you have a Bible with you, just go ahead and take it and uh, open it up right to the middle. And you'll find the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is really a collection of poetry, prayers, and songs about uh, uh, an assortment of human uh, emotions. Something I love about the book of Psalms is the authors, uh, they don't hold back. And they express sadness, depression, anxiety, anger, and also rejoicing and celebration. No matter what season of life you're in, you can relate to the book of Psalms. Today we're going to look it's Psalm 109, uh, written by King David. And as you're going to see, we don't, we don't know a lot of details, but clearly David is very angry because somebody has been spreading false accusations about him, and David wants uh, this person to pay. Look at, look at what he says about this person who is making accusations against him. Uh, King David writes, May his days be few. Uh, may another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. Uh, um, okay, David is really mad. He is at, I want their children to pay level of anger. And he goes on in the next several verses to talk about how he wants everybody to steal as much as possible from this guy. And he just wants to blot out his name from uh, history. David is enraged. Nothing is off limits. And, uh, and I wonder, have you ever felt so mad that you wanted somebody's kids to pay? To pay? I mean, that's angry. And if that's you, you know what? You're in good company with King David. Well, in light of that, what I'm about to say next might su surprise you, but it's absolutely critical to the message uh, today. And it's, it's this right here. Anger is not a sin. Now, maybe David shouldn't have, you know, written so explicitly the harm that he wanted done to this man or this man's family. We sin in our anger 
when we uh, verbally abuse someone or we express anger uh, outwardly, uh, publicly in, in, in harmful ways. But I want to be clear, anger in and of itself is not a sin. Okay, this might also surprise you, but Jesus got angry in all four of the gospel accounts. We read about Jesus entering Jerusalem for Passover, uh, going to the temple where people would offer worship and sacrifices, and Jesus got angry. Let me give you a little bit of, a little bit of backstory. When uh, worshipers came to the temple, they would bring their currency and exchange it for temple currency because that's the only money that you could use to purchase a sacrifice. But the money changers knew this, and so they would inflate the exchange rate and sell cattle, sheep, and doves at higher rates to rip people off because of their greed. And so look at how Jesus responds when he enters the temple. It says, so he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And then look at what he said to them, to those who sold doves. He said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Now, we often think of Jesus as, uh, you know, this mild-mannered, chill, peaceful person. And Jesus was all those things. But Jesus got angry. He got angry at the unjust system occurring at the temple. It's interesting. Jesus also said these words, taught these words about anger in Matthew chapter 5, commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Now, wait a second. Is Jesus saying that anger and murder are the same thing? Well, on one level, yes, he, he is. Anger left unchecked, it can lead to sinful, destructive actions. This emotion can leap out of control. It can lead to violence. It can lead to sin and harm for others. So on one level, it's the same. But on another level, anger is not the same as murder. Anger, emotions in and of themselves are not a sin. It's what we do with that anger that matters the most. Look at what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Notice, he, he doesn't say, don't sin by getting angry. No. He says, when you get angry, then do not sin, because it's what you do with your anger that can be uh, sinful. Now, I, I'm not proud of this, but I've always struggled with controlling my temper and and my anger. This, this week, I uh, asked my wife a question. I said, uh, can you think of a time or, or an example when I got angry and I said something or did something dumb? And she laughed. And she said, I can think of a million examples. A, a few of them I can share with, <laughs> with you. Uh, she said, you know, you, you get angry at Packer games. And uh, I do. I yell at the uh, TV. And uh, she mentioned how I sometimes get angry at text messages. I like the way she put this. She said, when companies overextend their marketing to my cell phone, I get, I get angry. And unfortunately, uh, too many times, my anger, my frustration has spilled into uh, the work and family area of my life. And I, I've, I've done damage to others and to myself. But 
My wife also remembered, I thought this is interesting, a time I got angry, and maybe it wasn't all bad. Maybe it was even good. About eight years ago, our daughter uh, went to a Christian conference in Kansas City, and she uh, went with a friend, and they planned to drive home uh, all night on the, on the return, but they ran into some really bad weather, a bad snowstorm. It was this time of year, cars sliding off the road, really dangerous conditions. They stopped to get gas. A truck driver saw the license plate and asked if they're going to Wisconsin. They said, yes. He said, I just came from there. I would not drive to Wisconsin tonight. The roads are too dangerous. So my daughter and her friend, they stopped at a hotel to uh, get a room and spend the night and then drive home the next day when the roads would be safer. But this hotel had a policy that you had to be 21 years old to rent a room. And my daughter was a few months shy of age 21. And so they would they would either sleep in the car or uh, risk it and drive all night in a really dangerous snowstorm. So, you know, I heard about this, and, and I called the hotel, and I talked to the manager. Now, I thought I was being passionate and enthusiastic. My wife said, no, you were angry. You were hot. And the manager explained a policy to me about you have to be 21. And I said, so you're going to send them out on icy roads because they're not 21? And then I said, their lives are in your hands, which maybe I exaggerated a little bit. Anger, anger does that. I told him, I said, you know, they're coming from a Christian conference. They're not there to party. They just need shelter from a storm. And the manager was kind enough to uh, make an exception. He let them stay the night, and they drove home safely. I share that because I got angry, and most of the time my anger is uh, sinful, uh, bad, but maybe in this example, maybe this is a rare example for me, when ang my anger was helpful, it was, it was protective. Sometimes anger is good, and that's why it's really important to understand that the emotion of anger, it's not a bad, sinful emotion. It's what you do with your anger that can lead uh, to sin. Now, some of you might, at this point might be thinking, okay, uh, 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 Good topic, Ben, um, uh, but this isn't for me. You know, I'm, I'm a nice person. I don't uh, yell at people. I don't cuss. I don't throw things. I don't even uh, bring things up with people that I'm upset uh, with. This, this really isn't for me. But before you tune out, let me remind you that anger is not just dramatic, uh, verbal physical eruptions. Anger is not just extroverted. Anger can also be introverted, simmering, you know, beneath the surface, expressed through a quiet glare across the dinner table. Bitterness, manipulation, resentment, sarcasm, withholding attention. It can just be in your thought life. Sometimes we don't even know we're angry until it comes out. Maybe, maybe you don't have a short fuse that leads to a big explosion. Maybe you're more of a silent assassin. That's, that's why every person uh, needs to pay attention to anger. I think, you know, many of us probably fall into one of four categories when it comes to anger. First level is just annoyed. You know, this is a mild irritation, and we have these all the time, you know, every, every day. The kids are too noisy in the house. You hit every red light on the way to an appointment. Somebody cuts you off at the checkout lane at the grocery store. You're, 
you're, you're, you're, uh, you're annoyed. But that annoyance can lead to frustration. This is, this is stronger uh, intensity. You feel really irritated. It might be provoked. Annoyed is somebody pulls out in, in front of you in their vehicle. Uh, frustrated is somebody pulls out in front of you and they've got a Minnesota Vikings bumper sticker on their, on their car. Or maybe it's something that just happens over and over. Your kids repeatedly put their, put their winter boots in the middle of the living room, even though you've told them hundreds of times and you're frustrated. But frustration can lead to feeling hostile. This is more than a simmering frustration. And this is when our, our body begins to change physically, our blood pressure goes up, our heart rate begins to race. And people at this level, typically they express their anger outwardly, uh, verbally, but it's uh, relatively controlled and for a briefer amount of time. But uh, hostile can lead to the final stage. And the final stage of anger is enraged. And this is where you lose control. And you can't help it but express your anger. And you say things and do things that you never thought you would say and do. Sometimes we see this level of anger in sports. I want to show you just a short clip of one of the most enraged baseball managers of all time. Some of you will recognize the name of Lou Pinella. Take a look. Here comes Lou Pinella one more time. Tosses the hat, continues with the argument, and now kicks at his hat. Lou Pinella, red, red hot. Lou's going to kick the hat. And that hat's taking a beating. Again. And again. Junior. And again. That's enraged, isn't it? Yeah, and those are his own players <clears throat> laughing at him. And that's when you know you're angry. Now, you may not believe me, but all of us have the potential to get to that point. All of us have the potential to get enraged. In, in, in now, it may not look like that in your life right now, but I'm telling you, all of us need to pay attention to our anger so that it doesn't get sinful. So here's the question for all of us. You know, what do we do with our anger? We're all going to, all of us are going to have it. All of us are going to experience it. What do we do with our anger so that we deal with it? in a healthy, God-honoring way. I'm going to give you three things to do with it. The first is to redirect it. Very often, we, we, we direct our anger toward unhelpful places or the wrong people, or we just stuff it. But there's a way to direct our anger in a, a healthy, God-honoring uh, way. I want you to notice in Psalm 109 how David, he has no problem at all telling God how mad he is. He directs his anger toward God, and that is acceptable. But he's also angry for the way this man treated other people. He had a righteous anger. Look at, look at how David describes what this man is, is doing. David said, for he never thought of doing a kindness, but hounded to death the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted. This man mistreated the poor and the less fortunate. It seems like David has... A good reason to be angry and upset. He had righteous anger. And maybe you do too. You know, maybe you're angry because somebody betrayed you. Somebody lied to you. Somebody hurt someone that you loved. And if you're angry, let me just say that's okay. You've got a right to feel that way. But the question is, uh, where are you directing your anger? 
what are you doing with your anger? It's no secret that uh, social media, the last year, really, I think the last couple years, has been like a total dumpster fire of anger and outrage and ridiculousness on, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, but it seems like everybody uh, has a reason to be angry over, over uh, something. At the beginning of the pandemic, I noticed how when I would read posts on social media, it would make me angry. Uh, sometimes it would be uh, someone who's a friend or maybe somebody I don't know or a, a celebrity. But I found myself getting infected and becoming more and more upset, mad, and bitter. So I did some honest self-reflection, and I came to a conclusion for, for me, um, not just in regards to social media. This goes beyond that, but this was profound for me, and maybe this will be helpful uh, for you, that no one is responsible for my anger other than me. It wasn't their fault. It was mine for the way that I reacted and so I took a break, and what I found is instead of wanting to pour my anger in unhelpful places like social media, I'm trying to go to God with it more and more in, instead. Now, I know that might sound kind of basic to talk to God about it, but here's what I find. Many people don't feel like they can go to God with their anger. But I'm telling you, God is far better at absorbing your anger than any other person or any other place. And so if you're angry, talk to God first. Direct it toward God first. But I also told you earlier, I want to make a case for some of us to be more angry than we actually are. What do I mean? Well, there's a righteous anger, a passion, an enthusiasm that some of us need to recover. And it's actually healthy. Inappropriate. Sometimes anger motivates us to do the right thing. For example, getting angry over, over child abuse, um, human trafficking, violence, racism, older people getting scammed, uh, people in our community going hungry. I mean, we should be angry about these things. I don't want to not be angry. That's what, that's what made King David righteously angry. Somebody mistreated the poor and needy. That should make you angry. That's what made Jesus angry. Someone dishonored God's house with greed and, and corruption and abuse. That's righteous anger. But I want you to notice something about Jesus, both Jesus and King David. Neither one of them retaliated against another person. This wasn't about revenge. This wasn't about, this wasn't payback. This wasn't a cancel culture type of anger. It wasn't eye for an eye. No, they directed their anger in righteous ways. Pastor Albert Tate puts it this way. When Jesus got angry, he flipped tables, but he didn't flip people. Jesus got angry at the unjust system at the temple, but he didn't hurt anybody. So let me ask you, does anything unjust, unrighteous, and wrong make you angry? It actually should. You know, one of the reasons why some of us have an unhealthy amount of anger is because we're not getting angry at the right things. You know, it's okay to get annoyed 
when the Packers lose or the Bucks lose or the ref blows a call at your sixth grade daughter's basketball uh, game. You know, it's okay to get annoyed, but don't get enraged. Don't let that ruin your, your day. We need something more righteous to be passionate about, to get angry about. So how do we redirect our anger in a healthy way? First, you talk to God about it. You go to God. You bring it to God first. And then second, you find something righteous to pour out your, your, your anger, your passion uh, toward. Redirect your anger in healthy uh, ways. Next thing, when you're angry, it might be time to replenish. If you find yourself more easily uh, getting annoyed, uh, irritated, uh, agitated, angry, is it possible there's something going on underneath the surface of your life that's causing you uh, to get angry? Uh, maybe, maybe you're withholding forgiveness from another person or harboring a, a grudge toward another person because anger is often a secondary emotion, uh, kind of like a light on the dashboard of your car. Usually it's a sign that something is going on underneath the surface of your life causing you to be more angry than uh, normal. Sometimes it's just being hangry. You know, a combination of hunger and anger. I can get that way. Uh, my wife can always tell. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I get busy and I skip lunch or I eat a light lunch. And I'll get home about 4.30 in the afternoon and my wife can tell that I'm more crabby uh, than normal. And she'll say, hey, eat a banana or a granola bar. Well, then, then let's talk in, in 20 minutes. I mean, sometimes it's something basic. We're hungry. We're tired. We're overly busy. Or we haven't spent enough time with God, allowing God to replenish our, our hearts and our minds with his truth. King David knew this about himself. He said, in return for my friendship, they accused me. He's still mad. He's still upset. But look at what he says. I am a man of prayer. David knows that he needs to bring his anger to God. He needs the supernatural strength of God to battle and, and uh, to overcome what he's, what, he's, what he's battling. I'm telling you, one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons that we move so quickly from annoyed to frustrated to hostile to enraged is because our tanks are empty. And when our tanks are empty, we're tempted to turn to unhealthy things to replenish. Things like alcohol or junk food or pornography or other types of, of, of sin. We think those things will provide relief, but they don't provide the lasting replenishment that we need. We need to replenish physically. We need to find some rest, to, to take a nap, sleep better. I want to challenge you this week to take a little more time for self-care physically. But most importantly, we need to replenish spiritually. Don't start off your day on an empty tank. Spend some time talking to God. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time reading and reflecting on, on, on God's word. I'm telling you, sometimes we're angry because our tank is, is empty. Find some time this week to replenish. Third and final thing we need to do uh, with our anger is to release it. After going through all these reasons why he's angry, I imagine David gets to the end of this psalm and he just lets out a big sigh of relief. And look at what he says, but you, sovereign Lord. I mean, he's... He's, he's told God all the reasons he's angry, all the reasons he's upset. But you, sovereign Lord, 
Help me for your name's sake, out of the goodness of your love, deliver uh, me. David goes from venting his anger to asking God to help him with it. David says, I've carried this anger long enough. I've, I've told you all, God, I've told you all the reasons I'm angry, but God, you're in control and it's time for you to take it. Pastor and author Tim Keller uh, said this. He said, our prayers may rightly begin with our own hurts, sins, and troubles, but it's only when you lay these things before God, see them in light of who he is, and say, but you, that relief, hope, and strength begin to come. My friend, Tony Watson, who attends our Pewaukee uh, campus, went through a devastating loss several years ago, and he carried anger because of it. Uh, God worked in his life, and eventually Tony and his wife Kathy were able to uh, release their anger and find freedom. It's an amazing story. Uh, Tony has shared it with us uh, before, and it helps so many people. We want to show it again, and so take a look. Uh, my name is Tony. Uh, me and my wife and kids have been coming to River Glen, and I'd just like to tell you about my daughter, Selena. Uh, when she was small, uh, me and the wife worked opposite shifts and I got to watch her during the day and we'd go for long walks and um, we played a lot, we cooked a lot. She used to put my work boots on. As she got older, I saw the growth in her and, and the, the challenge for her to dance. She loved to dance. She became her own person in her own way. But at 18, her life was cut short. On December 4th of 1998, I arrived home from work, went to bed, and roughly two hours later, my 12-year-old daughter woke me with the pound on the door. Um, I went down there, and there was a police officer that was there to notify me that my daughter, Selena, was involved in an accident. Uh, he said I needed to get to Waukesha Memorial as quickly as possible. I ran upstairs, woke the wife, and told her we had to move fast. When we arrived, there was a lot of ambulances and squad cars. As we walked in, there was a police officer that we knew that directed us to a doctor and nurse and we were taken to adjoining room and we were told that Selena was involved in an accident and, and that she didn't make it. Kathy made all the arrangements while they took me to see Selena. Uh, Selena had a tube in her mouth where they tried to, EMT tried to give her air. Um, I basically started screaming and pounding my fist against the wall because I couldn't believe this was happening. Um, I lifted her head and screamed for her to wake up. Upon us leaving, there was a gentleman sitting across the hall in handcuffs. I paid no attention other than to see him. The ride home that night, Kathy was very quiet. When we got home, it was then I heard the full story that a drunk driver had killed Selena and 
Kathy shared with me she didn't want to say anything for the fact that I would have went after him and I would have been in handcuffs. Uh, Kathy and I and uh, Selena's sister had to go pick out her clothes and coffin. Um, she was laid to rest. I got to stand by her for the last time. Uh, shortly after the wake, uh, I got to see the gentleman at court face to face. Through the trial and after the trial, I struggled with a lot of different resentments and hatred. And I saw the path it was going and I started reading the Bible and understanding the, the word. And I met some people that were involved in small groups and got involved and I prayed a lot. And I prayed that God would forgive me so I could forgive others. And three years after the incident itself, I got to meet with him. He was a young man, 28 years old, sentenced to seven years in prison, where he served two-thirds of his sentence. And I saw the person that he was, the hurt that he felt along with us inside. And, and I understood about the Lord giving us all forgiveness and, and how I needed to get over any hurts and resentment and forgive him. And it, it made my life a lot easier. I also asked him if he would speak with me at the Victim Impact or some of the education places for alcohol and drug use. And he said, yes, without a doubt. I believe the, the, the Lord has put this upon us to help us, to help us understand life, understanding what truly Jesus did for us to forgive us of all our sins. And forgiveness is something you have to search in your heart for and understand it will make your life a lot better. Yeah, isn't that a powerful uh, story? I really appreciate uh, Tony sharing with us. What an inspiring story. I remember I was there the night. You saw some footage when he came to uh, celebrate recovery on Monday night, and uh, he spoke, and the, uh, the man who drove the car also uh, spoke. Just a powerful, powerful um, evening. And I wonder, is there an anger in your life? And it, it, it's time for you to lay it down and surrender it. And, and I know that some of us are angry like, like Tony was. Maybe something happened uh, to you. Uh, maybe circumstances, maybe your life just hasn't turned out the way that you thought. But maybe it's time to lay it down and release it. Tony and, and Kathy were able to lay down uh, their anger and uh, forgive the driver because they knew the greater love and the greater forgiveness of Jesus. Is there something you need to surrender and release? Maybe there's an anger and you just can't seem to shake it. Jesus can help you. When you receive the gift of Jesus into your life and you realize how much he's done for you and how much he's done for me, then you can lay it down and release it and find freedom. Paul writes in, in Romans uh, chapter 5, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, I mean, when God had every right 
to be angry with us. Look at, look at, look at what happened. Christ died for us. And when you understand that, when you receive the mercy, the compassion, the love, the forgiveness, and the grace, what I find is the more you receive it from Jesus, the more you're able to extend it to others and the less angry you will be. Don't let that anger ruin your life. Don't let that anger control you. Maybe maybe you've got every right to be angry, but what if you receive the gift of Jesus into your life? When you receive how much forgiveness he gives you, it opens your eyes. It opens your heart to the possibility that maybe that anger is not something that you're supposed to carry. You know, maybe you've been looking, maybe you've looked for somebody else to carry it, and that person is Jesus. That's what happens in faith. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to share a time of communion. We've got communion available on the tables in the back of the room. Our communion is open to, to anyone who receives the gift of forgiveness from Jesus. This moment of communion is a great opportunity for all of us to deal uh, with our anger in a healthy, God-honoring uh, way. Maybe, maybe it's time uh, for you to, 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 to redirect it or to replenish it or release it because of what Jesus has done for us. Let me pray for us, and then uh, you can go ahead and take communion when you're ready. God, God we thank you for creating this emotion of, of anger and how it can, it can be good. It can motivate us to take action when we use it right. But God, all of us struggle with unhealthy anger and frustration. I know I do. And we're tired from carrying it. It's holding us back. God, I pray that you would set us free from that burden so that we can live with more joy and freedom. God, would you help us deal with these moments of frustration and moments of anger. Help us to be calm and remember what you've done for us and to be people of peace. God, we're so grateful for your mercy and love and compassion. Thank you for extending that grace and forgiveness to us. Even when you could, you could have been angry with us. You chose love. And you always choose love. Thank you, God. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.